Welcome back to Drunk In. I am super stoked to be here with you today and to share my very special guest, Coot Blackson, with you. Coot Blackson is a transformational speaker and national best-selling author of You Are the One and his new book, The Magic of Surrender, published by Penguin Random House. Coot has been recognized as the mindfulness guru that billionaires go to for advice by Inc. Magazine. With a high social media profile, he has been featured on the Larry King Now Show, Dr. Drew, NPR, Fox and Friends, Mind Body Green, and many more. With everything going on in the world, there's never been a more important time to discuss the topic of surrender. The magic of surrender is a guide to move you past inner struggle, to discover the power of letting go of control and how letting go leads to more. Typically, surrender is considered passive. Coot wants to show people it isn't about giving up. It's about being strong and courageous. It's about tapping in. This inspiring book shows how surrender is a key factor in the lives of so many great people throughout history and shows how readers can move past barriers in their life to discover the freedom and possibility on the other side of surrender. I cannot wait for you to listen, to drop in with us as we discuss all things surrender, letting go, really tapping into and dropping into the ripple effect and all of the lives that we are here to impact through sharing our gifts, through sharing our message with the world. I am so grateful to have you here. And before we drop in, I wanted to share a message from our sponsor, Satnam Sessions. Satnam Sessions is your radical at-home kundalini yoga experience. Satnam Sessions is a wellness studio for on-demand meditation, breathwork, and kundalini yoga practices. Use the technology of kundalini yoga and meditation to amplify your best self and empower you to create a prosperous, successful, and wildly fulfilling life. You can choose to invest month to month or you can choose to invest annually. And as a gift, we have a offering for a 14 day free trial. And you can find all of the details for this in the show notes. So let's get dropped in, shall we? Welcome to Dropped In. I feel so honored to have you here today and to share you with our beautiful community. And I have to be honest, this is a first full circle moment for me as I was first introduced to you in Peter Kelly's group, The Supercharged, about seven to eight years ago. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. And I listened to You Are the One on repeat. So, wow. wow. Yeah. It. it was a catalyst for my growth and my evolution. So, thank you. 
Amazing. Amazing. And now I found myself uh, listening to the magic of surrender on repeat and it's just such a profound book. So I, I feel so blessed to have you here today. So welcome. Awesome. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Mm hmm. I would love to drop in with you around the subject of the ripple effect and how Mr. Johnson in your book created that for you and the ripple effect it's created for all the lives you've touched as a result. I think um, from a very young age, I always felt a deep. I felt people very deeply. And so from a very young age, I felt people's pain. I felt people suffering. I think that there was always a part of me that wanted to alleviate suffering in some way. And I didn't know what that would look like, but I would feel people. I was very empathetic. And so I always felt something in my soul pulling me to, to help, to serve. I just didn't know the specific form as a kid. And, and so in terms of my background, I think a lot of my childhood prepared the way to, to sort of point me in the direction of what I'm doing today uh, in a certain degree, in that as a young boy, my first memories were also, I remember seeing a crippled woman crawling on the floor. She picks up the, the gravel, the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up. And so week after week, I grew up uh, seeing, I grew up around miracles, blind people seeing, deaf people hearing, people standing up out of wheelchairs. And... The, the man who said she picked up will look at a woman in a wheelchair and say, stand up. Like, what, what, why are you in this wheelchair? And so I grew up in a bit of an unusual environment. This man was my father. He built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa. He built a huge church in uh, London, about four to 5,000 people every Sunday. And so he was a very spiritual, metaphysical, mystical type of man, went to India in the 60s. And so uh, and had a kind of enlightenment experience. And so by the time I was born, I was born into this tradition where all, let's say, all possibilities were available. And, and, and so for me, this was normal. And as a young boy, I think things began too at the age of eight when I was thrown into the audience one day, my father said, speak, and that began my speaking career. And at 14, I was actually ordained as a minister. Mm -hmm. And I it was announced that I would, basically take over my father's spiritual organization and be the successor and everybody was happy but me uh, because deep down in my soul I felt I felt something calling me in a different direction I didn't know what it was I just felt something different for my life basically my life was pretty much scripted out for me by my father and the expectations of everyone else but there was something there was something different in my soul uh, that was pulling me. It took me about four years to really uh, zone in, muster up the courage to follow my soul. Mm -hmm. I think like many of us, um, I allowed fear to, to stop me from speaking my voice. My fear was if I dared to speak my truth and be myself fully and tell my father how I felt, that I would be outcast, I'd be alone, I'd lose his love. And so I said nothing. But after about four years of internal negotiation and trying to fit myself into a box of what I thought people needed me to be and wanted me to be to get love, I looked into my future and I felt this inner conflict. On one hand, I looked into my future and I saw that I could take over my father's church, his organization, be successful. And 
yet if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my internal integrity, like what what kind of success is that? And and simultaneously, I felt this inner pull. And I would say this is, again, where there was a seed planted, where I felt this inner pull. Something was calling me to America. Something was calling me specifically to Southern California, specifically to Los Angeles, because, you know, I would sneak into my father's office and on his bookshelf, he li- he had literally a thousand books on self-help and spirituality and personal growth. And so as a young kid, age nine, age 10, I would sneak into his office and I would steal the books off of his bookshelf and read these books. And I became so obsessed with trying to understand life and understand the purpose of life and who I'm, who, who am I and why are we here and where are we going? And, and so um, I felt this feeling, I felt this deeper sense that I wanted to go into this field because I, I remember reading people like Louise Hay and Marianne Williamson and Deepak Chopra and uh, Dan Millman and Mark Victor Hansen, Jack Canfield. And I thought, wow, there is a whole new possibility, a whole new way, a whole new way of expressing that has nothing to do with religion or the church. You mean I can inspire people by writing books and giving seminars? And so that's when something was lit in my heart. And at 18, I stood at this point of choice. And it felt as though my soul pulled me so strongly I didn't have a choice. Mm. And I think sometimes when your soul guides you, it doesn't always make sense to your mind. When your soul guides you, it's not always comfortable. It's not always convenient. But I think when you listen to your soul, what I have found through my life and experiences over and over again, when you follow your soul, you'll always end up in the right place at the right time with the right people, even though in the moment you're going through something or you're feeling that guidance makes no sense to your logic. Because often the inner guidance that we receive arises from a deeper dimension than our conditioned mind and logic the inner guidance that we receive arises from the sort of unconditioned, pure essence that is deep within us, that is that is connected to the divine, connected to the universe. And so everything pulled me to come to the U.S. And so I, I, I said, yes, I knew what I had to do. Long story short, had the conversation with my father, left everything behind, won a green card in the green card lottery showed up in the U.S. $800 and went and found teachers and mentors and many of the folks I read about, studied with some of them. Years later, ended up going to India, uh, Israel, and and, and uh, walked the Camino in northern Spain, ended up in India. And it was my time in India that really had an internal transformative impact on my life. Mm-hmm. And that's when I came back again to L.A. and began. I just began working. I wanted everyone to feel free. I felt so free as a young kid. I wanted everyone, this is 22, 21 years ago, I wanted everyone to feel the the freedom that I felt. And so I just worked with one person. And this was before coaching was a popular thing, just helping, talking with one person. And then another person came, another person came, another person came. And before you know it, I kind of started to develop a methodology and a way of working with people that I called uncoaching. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would tell people, I don't coach you, I uncoach you, I untrain you, I uncondition you from the patterns and programs of conditioning that have been put into set in, you know, set into imp- have been imprinted into us from childhood. Mm-hmm. And so I, dev- I sort of devised my own way of working with people. And then more people came and lives transformed. And it just honestly, organically expanded and snowballed. And as more people came, 
small retreats, larger events, larger events, seminars, and here we are. So that's that's the short version of, should, should we say, how I got started. And every step was an organic path. I never went into this as a business. I never went into this for money. It was following the calling of my soul. Mm, I love that. I love that so much. And something that just keeps coming up for me is a, a quote that I share with my clients is that soul leads, body calibrates, and mind follows. And so it's really trusting our soul's guidance and trusting even if it doesn't make sense to just follow through and then our body will then calibrate to it and then our mind will follow but if we allow our mind to dictate then that's when we really get into those fear stories and the egoic ways and get into that space of feeling inauthentic and out of alignment if you will so yeah yeah beautiful beautiful so I don't know too much about your experiences in Bali but they sound divine so <clears throat> I would love to learn more about what occurs in these retreats and and how people can experience this with you. Wow. You know, I, I don't really share any specific details of mm. what happens, you know, because it's a hero's journey. Mm. And in the hero's journey, the first thing is you have to, you get to a point in your life where you perhaps feel that the life that you have been living or you have created for yourself is too small for what your soul is seeking to become there is something more than the current structure of your life that is seeking to emerge whether you know what it is or not it's 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 bigger than you <clears throat> and i think you know i often tell people that the next level of your life requires the next level of you and the next level of you requires that you let go of who you've been of what was of what's no longer working of the people in your life that are no longer vibrational mash. But what we tend to do as human beings is we tend to hold on to what we know and who we've been for out of a sense of comfort and familiarity and self-preservation, even though we know it's not working, even though we may not be fully happy, even though we might even be miserable. And so holding on to what's really not working or what was actually blocks our blessing. And it's kind of our affirmation of our lack of trust in the universe. And often we don't know that we are the ones, not God, not the life, not the universe, not even the stars. We are the ones that are blocking our blessing by holding on to that which is not is no longer serving us. And so you can't manifest the new or the next being that old version of yourself. And so I think for me, my work in these journeys in Bali, as an example, um, it's a hero's journey. And the reason if you go to the website, I never share specific details and there's no itinerary and there's no each day this is going to happen and a breakdown is because the hero first has to listen to the calling, not a calling that is based on time, energy, money, the, you know, God shit, God gives you the entire plan, the calling that you feel. And that calling will guide you. That calling often won't make sense, but it's a calling of your soul. And that calling then leads you into the unknown. You have to be go into unknown territory. You have to go beyond your current sense of self and who you know yourself to be. You have to be willing to not know who you are for a moment so you can find out what is seeking to emerge. In that next phase of that hero's journey is you have to be willing to face yourself, to face your fears, to face your inner demons and your inner dragons, so to speak, and heal and transform and release and let go and clear the, the, the subconscious blocks and face those shadows because all of those things are the 
you know, often the things that block us and stop us from being who we were born to be, from truly manifesting the greatness of our potential. And so part of the way I design my work and the journeys in Bali is, is to take people through experiential, immersive processes that I design that is, that is really systematically designed to help people become conscious and aware of their patterns that mm. limit them that is then also designed to help unhinge and help people loosen the grip of their own ego identity, that is also designed to help you heal the internal subconscious beliefs and wounds that are keeping you stuck from childhood, designed to help you connect to your authentic nature, your true essence that we all feel and sense. And the journey is designed to sort of give you the tools and the knowledge that is meant to help catapult you forward, you know, into sharing your gifts with the world. And so, yeah, in a nutshell, the, the event I do in Bali is a 12-day experiential seminar training without walls, where I use Bali as the backdrop, so to speak, uh, to facilitate your transformation. And so all I would say is, you know, it, it's designed for people that if you're, if you're someone that you feel that you've been put on the planet for a purpose bigger than yourself. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you're living it. Maybe you don't even know what it is. If you feel as though you're tired of just reading about the books, I always tell people information by itself is not enough. You have to truly go through an inner process of true transformation. Um, and if you're really, if you feel like that the time is now, then I was told when I created this process in Bali, there would be souls that were leaders, meant to be leaders and visionaries to impact the world, that when they heard about the journey, they would know. And it was, it was destiny for those that it was meant for. And mm -hmm. so I actually do the opposite of a lot of seminars and events. I actually try to weed people out. I try to, you know, con there's a whole process and protocol where we try to convince people not to go because I really only want those that are truly committed, so to speak, mm -hmm. to, to come on this journey because it's, I will take, I take people through a process that is very, 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 very unusual and unique. And that requires a sincere commitment. And so the journey is really about freedom. You know, mm -hmm. to help people access their inner freedom again. Ultimately, we are all free. We're born free. Freedom is our nature. Mm -hmm. The challenge is because of different degrees of trauma and hurt and pain and conditioning from childhood wounding, we kind of start losing touch with that innate sense of freedom. And as a result of losing touch with that inner sense of our own freedom, we now mistakenly, often unconsciously, start seeking that freedom in the world, in a relationship, in a bank status, in a CEO status, nothing wrong with those things. But we often now seek that sense of inner freedom in the world, which only leads to suffering because there is no real freedom out here. The world is transitory. The world is impermanent. The world is constantly changing. The world is limited in many ways. So if we're seeking freedom out in the world, we will suffer. And mm -hmm. I think many of us suffer because we seek it out here. And so as children, mm -hmm. we were free. We were, we were like, if you look at a baby, you know, when they, before they're conditioned, 
I think when we look into a baby's eyes, it's just pure essence looking at you, pure, divine, unconditioned source, soul energy just looking at you, which is why I think we all melt because we are reminded of ourselves. A child will jump on a table and sing and dance naked. It doesn't care what they look like on Instagram or if they can sing or not. They're just totally free. And so what the hell happened to us? You know, mm -hmm. like really, like we were all we were all that once, me, you, Hitler, Pablo Escobar, like the worst crack addict on the street, the homeless person. We were all that pure, free being at one point in our lives. So what happened? We incarnate into this human experience. We meet our parents. God bless them. They're just doing the best that they know how to do based on their past and their childhood and their upbringing and their grandparents and the stuff that they've gone through that they may not even be conscious of. And so now maybe now we're born into a preset pattern of conditioning and karma. And now we meet our parents and maybe dad is a, is crazy. And maybe mom is an alcoholic. And now maybe they're fighting all the time. And that's sort of intense. And there's dysfunction and abuse, mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological, verbal, sexual, whatever form is going on. And Maybe they were great people, but they just didn't have the emotional intelligence to know how to meet our needs in some way. And mm. that was painful. And so the conditioning process starts for us in ways that we're not even aware of, often in ways we're not even conscious of. Many of us, we don't even know that we're conditioned. And so the first thing is maybe unconsciously as children, we learn all sorts of strategies to shut down, disconnect, not feel. Shut down, disconnect, not feel. Wow, it's, it's, it's too intense feeling mom and dad fighting and screaming and throwing stuff or someone's an alcoholic, everything unstable or just my emotional needs aren't being met. And so, so we learn to suppress mm -hmm. as a survival mechanism. We suppress those feelings, suppress, suppress, suppress. Layers and layers of unfelt feeling kind of stack up and cover up our light, our nature, our essence. And we erect walls around our heart as a defense mechanism and strategy just to not feel the pain as a coping mechanism of what's going on around us. So now we've become closed, our heart is closed, shells around the heart, and now we go through life in sort of controlling experiences out here, controlling our emotions as a way to protect us from not feeling this pain again. And mm -hmm. we will also learn, you know, this sense of who do I need to be in order to get love and validation and, and oh, if I'm, if I'm nice, if I say yes all the time, if I do, if I'm a certain way, then, dad will love me, then mom will love me. You know, as a kid, I learned to be the perfect son, to be the, the responsible one, to be the caretaker. You know, I was a preacher's holy man's kid. And so I couldn't just have random feelings. I had to be perfect, I had to do everything right. And, and so we develop a role, a mask, a persona of who we think we need to be in order to get love, validation, approval, in order to fit in, mm -hmm. in order to to just survive. And we now contort ourselves into this version of ourselves that we become, that we think we need to be, that we become. And we think that the version of ourselves that we've become is who we are, but it's not. And often people will say, no, 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 this is just who I am. <laughs> I'm just this way. But the thing is, we don't realize that who we think we are is just a conditioned version of ourselves. And it's not who we really are, it's just conditioning. And so the degree to which we're conditioned in this pattern, in this sort of imprint, is the degree to which we're not free 
free to be ourselves, free to even know what we really want in life, because what we think we want is just kind of what we think we want based on who we think we are. And so if we're not in touch with who we really are, even the goals that we set for ourselves might be not totally aligned with our authentic nature, with our truth, because we're not seeing clearly. And the goals can often be a projection of unmet needs from childhood. And so my work and what I really do, and I think what we have to do as human beings to really evolve is we have to be willing to question ourselves mm. and question like, who am I? And these beliefs, is this what I believe? And is this who I really am or is there more? But the thing is most of us, we get so attached to the version of ourselves that we become that there's no freedom. There's no freedom to really be present. There's no freedom to, if I've learned to close my heart in order to not feel the pain of not having my knees met and now I go through my heart closed, at, with good intention, but it's going to be a little hard, as an example, to to open one's heart and have a relationship and fall in love. If I've learned to keep my heart closed, there's a way to not feel the pain or not feel helpless. And so often we're not conscious and aware of our strategies and why we are the way we are. And we're not also not often, because we're not aware, we're not even clear how to unravel the layers of conditioning. And mm -hmm. so this is my work. This is what I do. This is what I do in Bali as an example for 12 days in Bali in this immersive experience. This is the essence of my work. And so I think I think this is the essence of the, the spiritual path. You know, mm -hmm. this essence of the spiritual path is, is a letting go, is a surrendering, is a shedding, is a release of that which we're not so that we can remember and realize who we really are, you know, mm -hmm. layer by layer by layer. Beautiful. You are speaking my language. It resonates so deeply, so profoundly. And so in conversation around earlier, when you shared like growing up, you're very sensitive and you felt everything I can relate. And then going into these environments where, you know, as a society, we're taught to suppress, 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 not feel, go outside of ourselves for the answers, not trust our inner guidance, not trust our yeah. souls. And in the conversation of the magic of surrender. Mm. So when we are so tightly gripped and so trained and ingrained as a society to suppress and repress and not feel, and we have that sense of self-control, how is it possible for someone that's so got such a tight grip to go into the space of the surrender, to trust yeah. the magic of surrender? Yeah, I think, you know, well, first, I want to answer this question in two ways. First, I think we should just address what I mean by surrender. Mm -hmm. Because some people might have, I don't want us to be having like two to three different conversations like in people's minds about what we're talking about. And so the challenge is in our culture today, there is this misconception that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender is giving up, that surrender is waving the white flag that surrender is being a doormat, that surrender is letting people just walk all over you, that surrender is sitting there doing nothing, you know, watching TV and watching Netflix and eating, you know, potato chips, like, okay, just surrender, okay. And, and uh, that surrender is just doing whatever you want, that if I surrender, I won't manifest my goals, dreams and desires, that if I surrender, I'm going to get less in life. And I'm actually saying, if you understand the real essence and meaning of surrender, like, what if you didn't get less, but you got more? 
like more than you could have even imagined and projected with the limitation of your human limited ego's capacity to envision what's possible. Because when we're locked in this ego identification, as we've been talking about, we're not able to see the whole possibilities. We're not able to see the whole picture. When we're locked in ego, we just see one small interpretation and sliver of reality. It's like looking at a painting, a huge, beautiful painting, and we're looking at the corner and we have blinders on. So we're not able to see how everything connects to everything and connects to everything and how even that worst thing that's that is happening to us could actually be the best thing. Like that breakup is actually moving you towards your soulmate, but you don't see it in that moment. And it seems like the worst thing. And so we have this idea that surrender is a bad thing. And I'm actually saying, no, that surrender, if you understand it, I want people to sort of re-envision, redefine surrender. Like if you understand surrender, it's the most powerful thing that you can do. If you really get surrender, it's, 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 the, it's the password to freedom. It, it's, it's the real secret to manifesting because you're no longer manifesting with the limitation of your own persona, personal power. You're tapping into that deeper dimension of your soul, which is infinite. And so it's the real secret to manifestation. If you look at the great ones, and I talk about this in my book, Jesus, Buddha, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Mandela, Martin Luther King, I mean, the, the Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, I mean, many of these folks in their own unique way, at some point they got to the point where they had to let go and surrender themselves. They may have been living in one way, going in one trajectory in their life, and they got to the point where they had to like surrender because they felt something more was guiding them in a different direction, and they had to surrender. And I think it was when they surrendered, they tapped into another dimension of life. They tapped into another dimension of their own potential. And that's when they went beyond personal power. And that's when they, that's when life was life, God, the universe, whatever labels people want to use, but that's when the divine was able to, to, to manifest through them and use them in ways far beyond the human abilities. And that's where the magic happens. And we all say, well, yeah, I want more magic. I want more you know, miracles. I want more magic in my life. But we're not, we don't want to surrender. I want more magic, but I want to hold on to who I've been. I want my like, like, like ecstatic, blissful soulmate experience, but I'm going to just hold on to this kind of person that kind of isn't really kind of working, but they're around and I kind of like them sort of sometimes, half the time, even though they're toxic sometimes. And so we hold on. It's like, well, when my soulmate shows up, then I'll let go. It doesn't work that way. The past, the, the formula, you could say, is if you want more magic, you must surrender. Mm -hmm. Surrender is the password. So, so surrender, to set that context, is a letting go. It is. It's a, it's a letting go of what's not aligned. It's a letting go of what's not a, lo, no longer a vibrational match. It is a letting go of control, or I should say the illusion that we are even in control in the first place, because control is a master addiction. It's a letting go of trying to force and manipulate life to fit your limited idea of how you think it should be and who you think you should be and who you think other people should be so that you can be, you can take the limitations off and be available and open and receptive and allow life to show you life in its infinite intelligence. Cause it's been around 
for a lot longer than you and I. It's, it's, it's following the clues of life, following the intelligence of life, following the signs of life, following what life, how life is guiding. And I think that's when the magic happens. And so, yes, mm-hmm. when we say surrender to, when we just say the word surrender, it can seem scary mm-hmm. to your question. It can feel like, oh, oh my God, I'm going to surrender and bad things will happen. I'm going to surrender and it, it can seem scary, but what it is that resists surrender is the ego. And resistance is a natural response when we say surrender, because the ego, that which we mistakenly believe ourselves to be and identify as based on past pain, experiences, memories, you know, thoughts, name, body, uh, uh, history, that which we identify as me, the degree to conditioning, the degree to which we are holding on and identifying to that as me is the degree to which surrender will feel difficult because we think we are the ego, but we're not. And so when we say surrender for the ego, that which we perceive ourselves to be, surrender feels like a death. And that's why we resist. It feels like a death because if I am my beliefs and I am my thoughts and I am my emotions and I am these, 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 these ideas and paradigms in my mind to let that go feels like I am dying, mm-hmm. but it's not. And so we have to kind of understand and question who am I and what mm-hmm. am I? And is this who I am? If, if, if Because even the most amazing belief, we, some of these things we didn't believe when we were five. We didn't believe five years ago, 10 years ago, three years ago. Maybe there were some things we didn't even believe a year ago, but now we believe now. So if we are simply our beliefs, well, what happened to us? And so then you start realizing that this ego structure that we think is a solid, a solid thing as me is not even real. The ego is not even, the job of the ego is to protect you from getting hurt like you were hurt when we were five, when we were seven, when we were 10. And so the ego is a reaction, kicks in and it's like, I will never feel that helpless again. So I'm gonna close my heart and shut down and not feel, go into my mind and not care, boom. Now you're telling me to surrender and let go? Hell no, because if I open my heart, fall in love, connect to my feelings, I might get hurt again, like when I was five, when I really cared about mom and dad and everything that was going on. And that was too painful. So I'm not going to feel that again. Boom, closure. And so we have to understand the nature of the ego. Its job is to protect you from getting hurt. And its job is to reinforce its existence. And so the ego doesn't want to change. The ego doesn't want to let go. The ego doesn't want to surrender because it means, well, it's just limited. And so I think rather than even rather than forcing ourselves to change, rather than forcing ourselves to surrender, I think if we feel the fear, as you mentioned, if we feel this fear, if we feel this resistance, if we feel this trepidation, rather than trying to like force yourself to surrender, I think if we understand that what is resisting is not really who we are, it's, it's, it's our patterns, the patterns of conditioned identity that then we can begin to you could almost say surrender to the fact we may not be surrendered. And rather than forcing surrender, because the more we try to force ourselves, 
force ego to surrender, the more resistance there is. Mm. And, 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 and so that tends to reinforce the ego even more. And so if we're able to just meet ourselves, and this goes to the heart of your question, meet ourselves with grace and compassion. Because ego is just fighting to protect you. That's it. It means well. And so rather than surrender now, just to learn how to realize it's not who I am. And I can then maybe meet ego with some compassion, mm -hmm. with some tenderness, with some kindness, with no resistance. To embrace the resistance and just hold it with love. And, and it's almost like when, we, when we're able to just bring loving and compassion to this internal fear and resistance, then ego can relax. Mm -hmm. And in that relaxation, because we're not trying to make ourselves surrender, the threat of I'm going to die can relax as well and, and, and ego can soften. And those wounded aspects of us, that wounded pain inside of us, that ego is really trying to help us protect ourselves from, we can now bring compassion and loving to those parts. And that's how we bring healing. Healing is applying loving to those parts of ourselves that are hurting. So, so when we're able to bring loving and compassion to those parts, and then we can heal those wounds, heal that inner child, then there's more space and openness to even be available to surrender and mm -hmm. be, be open again. Beautiful. Beautiful. Something that keeps coming through as you share this is I am not a big proponent of self-sabotage. I like to call it self-protection. Yes, yes. But in terms of self-protection, would you say it would be like one foot in the door of ego and one foot in the door of soul or one foot in the door of, um, sorry, one foot in the door of ego and one foot in the door of surrender? Would you say that that's where the middle ground yeah, is? That, 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 yeah, I, th I think that self-sabotage, it's like underlying every behavior, is a po there's some positive intention, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so the ego's like, well, let, let, let me sabotage this before you put yourself out in the world and have everyone criticize you for it. Because mm -hmm. the moment you put your book, your art, your music, your whatever in the world, and, and because... I don't want to feel criticized. Let me just sabotage it right now. Let me screw it. This way, I don't have to put myself out there. You know, if I never have to put myself out there, you can't sabotage it. And so there's always some self-protective mechanism that means well. And so I think we just have to learn how to, what we tend to do is judge it, right? Mm -hmm. Like bad, 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 bad me, which what we judge, we just reinforce the very behavior that we're trying to change even more. Or what we'll tend to do, you see this, you know, you see this online with a lot of sort of uh, these hyper-motivational, I, I hate to say it tends, tends to be guys, but hyper-motivational guys, especially these fitness guys, like, yeah, get up and run through the pain, kill yourself. You have, you know, you've been, you've been hurt, you've been abused, you, you, you have a knife in your head, just push through it, you know, and they're cursing and swearing and you're like, I can do it. You can push through that. The challenge is if you just override it and don't deal with the pain, at some point, it will come back and bite you in the butt. Mm -hmm. and you, so you can't sort of bypass around the pain or you have to keep putting new band-aids on top of it every time and running from your own pain, which I guess that's a strategy to just bust through and run from your pain. But at some point, 
it will get exhausting. And at some point, and so yes, self-protection, you know, because if you truly take the space and the time to bring loving and compassion to that part of you that is hurting, with time, not a quick fix, with time, there will be healing. And mm -hmm. as there's healing, there'll be less need to protect yourself because the thing that you're protecting, you've now healed. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. So now you're freed up, not having to go through life, protecting myself. So I sabotage, protecting myself from getting heartbroken because I was heartbroken when I was abandoned and I don't want to feel that again. So before I jump into this perfectly amazing relationship, let me just sabotage it. You know, let me just screw it up so that I don't have to dive deep into love because I might be left again. And so often this is unconscious. And so if we can just understand, oh, self-protection is not bad. It's just the way my ego has contorted to learn how to adapt and deal with reality. And it's the best way I know how to until now. But if I'm able to see it and step back, realize I'm not this pattern and learn how to get into relationship with myself, and bring loving and compassion, then those patterns can shift and heal. And then we can develop inner cooperation and we don't have to keep sabotaging ourselves anymore. Mm, beautiful. The more you let go, the more you can invite in. Yes. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, it has been an absolute honor to have you here today, Coot. So for those that are interested in learning more about you, learning more from you, how to connect with you, perhaps go to your retreat, how can people get in touch with you? I think one of the, the simplest ways is get the book, The Magic of Surrender, get the paperback version. There's, there's a, lot of, um, a lot of my teaching is there. I wrote it in a very, very simple way. So the gems are there. Um, I would say for those that may be inspired by the conversation, you perhaps feel like something is calling you, like you're ready, you're ready for that next level. I invite you to, to join me in Bali. Um, I do this event twice a year, 20, depending on people listen to this, 2023 is my final year doing this particular event. I'm creating other events, but this is my final year doing this very unique event. We've done 20 of these events in the last 10 to 11 years. Um, and they're life-changing, you know, really life-changing. And so uh, depending on people listen, people can go to www.boundlessblissbali.com. That's boundlessblissbali.com. You can watch the video, find out all the info there. Um, the next event is July the 28th through August the 8th. Um, we have a few spots available. And then the final event is December the 5th through the 16th of 2023. And so people can find out all the info on the boundlessblissbody.com website. My main website, coopblackson.com. People can find out a whole bunch of info there. Instagram, Coop Blackson, Facebook, Coop Love Now, TikTok, Coop Blackson, uh, my, my podcast, Soul Talk. Beautiful, amazing. Thank you so much for joining and for dropping in with us today. Before we leave the conversation, if someone were wanting to quit or throw in the towel, what is a message of hope that you can give them today? 
Um, it's, it's a multi, like, I could give a simple answer, but it, I think it would depend why they want to quit. And because maybe you need to quit, <laughs> you know, like truly, maybe you need to quit because maybe what you're doing is no longer aligned. Like, there's usually three to four reasons why things don't manifest. So I'm assuming you want to quit because things aren't manifesting the way you want them to manifest or things aren't, you're not where you want to be or you have a vision or a dream and it hasn't happened yet. And so I just, I, I'm done. I want to quit. Reason number one is the goal or the vision that you have is not the goal that is authentically in alignment with the highest destiny of your soul. Maybe it's what you think you should be doing based on the world or social media or, or you, what your parents said, but it's not in alignment with your soul's highest intention. And so what we tend to do is push even more, push even more, push even more, force even more. But all that does is take you in the wrong direction more quickly. And so sometimes things not manifesting is course correction from the universe. And so step back, meditate, listen, and really connect and ask yourself, what's true? Like, is this vision I'm going for, is it, is it authentic? Is it aligned? Is it my deepest truth? Is this really what I'm here to do? Is this goal truly aligned with my soul? And then you can sort of deepen and re-envision and, and realign and then move back in to action. Second reason is sometimes it's just not time yet. It, 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 things aren't ripe. You're not ripe. It's just the ego. We just want things to happen when we want them to happen. And often we want them to happen now. And it's like a woman that's pregnant. She says, well, I want to meet my kid now, but you're two months pregnant. Doesn't work that way. Or mm -hmm. I'm four months pregnant. It's a nine month cycle. Everything has a season and everything has a timing and everything has a timing under the sun. And so we have to learn to not force the timing that we want, but trust the rhythm and cycle and divine timing of the universe. So that's when we have to cultivate some patience and prepare ourselves in that time cultivate our mind, our body, our soul, our spirit, so that we're ready when the opportunity arises. Uh, so then don't quit, keep going. Number three, sometimes things don't manifest because you haven't learned the lesson. Like it, the way I see it is life is a school. We are all souls. We incarnate into this human experience in order to learn, to grow, to evolve. Life is university for our soul's evolution. And every experience is really the curriculum for our soul to grow and evolve. Everything, every, every heartbreak, every pain, every difficulty, every challenge is, is, is the teacher. And so the other reason why things don't manifest sometimes, why we sometimes want to give up is you haven't learned the lesson where you are with who you're with. Mm. You haven't learned the lesson. If life is a school, then you haven't learned the lesson. So now I want to quit because... I'm not graduating to that next level. Yeah, but you haven't learned the lesson in this relationship. You're still betraying yourself. You're still, you're still allowing yourself to be mistreated. You're still not respecting yourself, but you want to manifest your soulmate. Doesn't learn that way. And so if things aren't manifesting, rather than just say, I'm going to quit, step back and ask yourself, okay, if I'm a soul, life is a school. What classroom am I in? And what is my soul seeking to learn through this experience, through this situation? Why have I attracted this situation? Because what I have found is when you can learn the lesson where you are with who you're with, where you're at, that's often the key that unlocks the lock to the next level, the next dimension of life and manifestation. And that's when things happen.
But again, what we tend to do is things aren't working out, quit, or I try to force things. It doesn't work. And so I think those are a few important things. And so if you are in that moment of challenge, maybe you're feeling all hope is lost. Sit with those things. Or maybe you're feeling you're in a moment of darkness in life. Like all seems dark and I just want to quit. And I like to say, and I have found through my experience that the darkness or the difficulty or the challenge, the dark times in life are a blessing. You may not feel that. I certainly didn't feel that in many of those dark moments when I felt like quitting. But I have found it's a blessing if you're willing to see it that way. Because when all is going great and you're getting what you want or thought you want, it's easy to get distracted and look outside. But when all seems lost, when there seems to be no hope, when all seems dark outside, it's the darkness. See, when there's darkness, there's nowhere to look outside because mm -hmm. there's, no, there's no shiny objects. There's no success. There's no light. When there's darkness, you look outside, you see nothing. It, if you allow it, it forces you, forces you to go inside, to connect with who you really are, to connect with a deeper dimension of your strength, to connect with that next level of your truth, to connect with your soul, with your source, with your true unlimited essence. And so it's those difficult moments in the darkness that forces you to connect with who you really are. And that is the profound gift. And so unless the dream is not truly aligned, keep on, because often right before that breakthrough is when we feel like quitting. Mm -hmm. If you run that marathon, if anyone's ever run a marathon, it's always at mile 22, 23, 24, that you hit a wall and you feel as though you cannot go any further. But if you just take another step and you take another step, you break through to another dimension of energy and then you complete. And so there's a good chance that you are closer than you think. So keep going. Mm, mic drop. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It has just been such an honor and privilege to be here with you today. And uh, can't wait for everyone to read your books. Both books are amazing. So we will uh, see you online somewhere soon. Thank you so much for dropping in with me today. If you loved this episode, I would be forever grateful if you rated and reviewed and if you feel called to share it with your community on social media, please tag me so I can thank you personally. Until next time, I will see you on Dropped In.